You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. I want to pray before we begin today and ask God to be with us as we endeavor to get into His Word and to grow in grace and faith. So let's do that. God, we just thank you uh, for today. We thank you for the life that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for your Word, which is Uh, bread and living water to our souls. We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit to understand it to a greater degree, and that, Lord, you would help us to understand it, and you would help me to speak it clearly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about some spiritual warfare principles. Um, As I'm noticing as we get into the fall season, that there are times where we seem to be more under attack than usual. Uh, Times where, you know, as the seasons change, it feels like Uh, Maybe we kind of settle into a little bit more discouragement, maybe some depression along the way because days are getting shorter, it seems like it's getting darker and colder, and you kind of get sheltered in the house a little bit more. So there's times where we feel like, you know, things aren't right and things aren't good, and it's easy to kind of get turned around and get turned inward when it comes to thinking about your life and thinking about yourself. And I was talking with Brandon earlier in the week, and he was kind of talking about some things that he was going through. And I, you know, I've just talked with him. And as I was sharing some things with him, you know, this inspiration came to me to share this message with you today. And I hope that you'll be encouraged and blessed by it. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare today, but not in the way that you might think. Sometimes we're inclined to talk about angels and demons, but rather I want to talk to you today about how we respond and recognize the tactics of the devil. So let's take a look at it together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning of verse 1. It says, Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence that which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as though we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, we're not fighting with worldly weapons. But mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want you to underline that verse in verse 5. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's going to be an important focus because that's what we're talking about today. Taking every thought captive and not being taken captive by your thoughts. I mean, you know, when we think, we sometimes worry and we overthink things. There is a tendency at times where we can allow our thoughts, instead of motivating us and moving us, they can cripple us and paralyze us from moving forward. I want to challenge you with the opportunity to be able to recognize this strategy that we can use and battling against the enemy. Let me give you a little background on this verse. There were false teachers that were making their rounds in the Corinthian church, and they were filling 
the heads of the people with all kinds of doubts when it came to the deity of Jesus. They were trying to tear apart their faith with conflicting ideas to bring dissension and division within the church to cause some to doubt and maybe even abandon their faith. But Paul talks about fighting against these false teachers and untrue thoughts. Not with physical violence. Paul is not talking about, when I get there, I'm going to punch a couple people out. That's not what he said. When I get there, you know, I'm going to throw down and there's going to be some people and there's going to be some bruises and some bumps that are going to come out. That's not what he said. Instead, he's not going to do with physical violence, but with the truth of God's Word. His tools were sound teaching and church discipline. And Paul doesn't go, oh no, the people are believing wrong things. What do I do? And give up. Paul is ready to fight. He affirms the truth that he taught them and warned those who were spreading falsehood that he would deal with them personally. You see, Paul was not willing to see these believers that he poured his entire life to fall by the wayside. So he contends for their faith. He fights for their faith with weapons that are spiritual and not carnal. Church, we need to fight with spiritual weapons, not worldly ones. We need to to fight with the tools that God gives us. We need to contend with for our faith and not give up what has been entrusted to us, what has been deposited in us, what has been given so graciously to us. That's what's at stake every single time you go through some kind of battle. Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, there's something at stake. There's ground to either be gained or lost, and you choose whether you're going to try and fight in what hasn't worked before or you're going to fight with something that will actually work and bring about the victory. He uses the phrase, it's the focus of my message. We cast down imaginations. How many know that sometimes our imaginations can run wild? Thinking that things are there when they're not there And in reality, they are just our mind getting away from us. Casting down imaginations and every high thing, every philosophy of this world that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. There's a principle here that I want us to realize. We must talk about three principles and one final thought. The first one is this. Take your thoughts captive or they will take you captive. Take your thoughts captive, or they will take you captive. Our thoughts shape our feelings. Our feelings shape our actions, and our actions shape our behaviors. The right thoughts can motivate you and push you forward, but the wrong thoughts can paralyze and capture you. Sometimes those thoughts are merely mistaken ideas. Mistaken ideas about people, mistaken ideas about God, mistaken thoughts about your circumstances. Have you ever had that happen where you believed that people were thinking of you one way only to realize that you were completely mistaken? 
Have you ever thought about a situation and you thought it was going to go a particular way and you were almost certain this is the way it was going to end up, but you were mistaken? I don't particularly like making mistakes, but I like being mistaken when I think it's going to go wrong and I think it's going to go sideways and I'm completely wrong about that. That's something I don't mind being wrong about. I don't mind being wrong about God's ability to come through. I don't mind being wrong about things are going to turn out badly and they don't turn out nearly as badly as I think. What it tells me is that sometimes my mind and my thoughts and my perspective works against me. And I've got to work hard to keep those things in check. Thoughts can captivate you, but they can also keep you captive. The wrong thoughts can take you prisoner and rend you powerless as a Christian. Spiritual warfare begins in your mind. I'll say it again. Spiritual warfare begins in your mind. But let me say this. Not every idea that enters into your mind you need to entertain. Just because it knocks on your door and says, Hey, I'd like to spend the afternoon with you and I'd really like to keep you depressed and in bed. And I'd like to keep you defeated. And they go, have you thought about this? Doesn't mean you have to open up the door. Doesn't mean you have to sit them down and serve them tea and biscuits. It doesn't mean that you have to give them time and they spend time in your bed and in your head. Just because they come and say, hey, I'm here to frustrate you. Hey, I'm here to discourage you. Or hey, have you ever thought about this? Doesn't mean that you have to give them a place. You can say, no vacancy, no thank you. We've had people come through our neighborhood. Now that COVID's over, people are more comfortable coming up to the door to try and sell you things or try and talk to you about things. So when they come to the door, the dog barks, they don't leave. <laughs> My dog's overly friendly. He'd be like, yeah, come on in. But I literally had to shout from the door because, like, you know, there's a dialogue that takes place when they're at the door. Like you might say, hey, you know, I'm not interested, and they, they launch into their spiel or they launch into their sales pitch, and it's, you're there for five minutes. I just didn't want to, and I couldn't even. So I just like yelled from the living room, no, thank you. <laughs> and they're like, okay, thank you. Have a good day. Same deal, okay? I just didn't have it in me for that day to deal with that sort of thing. That's how it is when the, these ideas and these thoughts come into your mind, just because they come, it doesn't mean you need to entertain them. Not every thought you think is your thought. I'm going to say that again slowly. Not every thought that you have is your thought. Some is from your sinful nature, the desires that are sinful, and you think about things and you want things. It doesn't mean you have to think about that and dwell on it. Some thoughts are for the world. You're watching television. You're doing, going about your business. You get a notification on your phone, and that thought comes into your head. You didn't put it there. It was suggested. It was implanted. It was intentional to get you either tempted, frustrated, angry, whatever the case might be. If you've got notifications turned on your phone, you'll get all kinds of notifications about things that they think you need to know. There are some things you just don't need to know. 
How many times have you gone through your day and you're just happy as can be and you get a notification about some new thing that the administration is doing or some new measure that's being taken place or some new thing that's going to the polls or some bit of bad news, some horrible accident that took place, some double murder that took place somewhere and it comes into your mind and it completely wrecks your day. You didn't put that thought in your head. Someone else did and you let it dwell there. Some are from the devil, an outright attack on your well-being and on your thought process. You must not allow your thoughts to take you captive, but instead take captive your thoughts. You take those thoughts and you make them submit to Christ and his word. I'm going to focus on the word submit. This is a metaphor that Paul used often, and one thing that he used to use as an illustration were the Greek Olympics whether it's marathons, races, or in this case, the idea of wrestling. The word here, submit, calls to mind the idea of one man wrestling another man and making that man submit. When you have these thoughts and you wrestle with them, don't let them overpower you as though they got you in an arm bar or they got you in a sleeper hold or they've got you in a submission lock. You know, you can turn that around and say, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get up from this position that I'm vulnerable in, and I'm going to turn it around and say, no, 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 you don't understand. This is my mind. These are my thoughts. I'm a child of God. I'm walking with the Lord. You came in here. You don't belong here. You came in here. I'm going to make you trying to make me bow my knee and me submit. I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to put a submission hold on you. Do you remember growing up, maybe your siblings would make you slap yourself? Do you remember that? They'd grab your hand and say, why are you hitting yourself? You're younger and you can't do anything about it. They're strong. Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Or sometimes you'd have a, a mean uncle or something like that, and they'd twist your arm, and they'd say, or you have a friend in school, and they'd twist your arm and say, you know, say uncle, say I give up, or say something horrible, embarrassing. There's times where you have to kind of, when the devil comes into your situation, you got, instead of him trying to put a submission lock on you, you put a submission lock on him and say, no, 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 you don't understand. I know what your word says, but here's what God's word says, and you need to get out of here. See, I want you to understand something today. The devil's not afraid of you. He's not intimidated by you puffing your chest or you flexing. Not impressed with that. Not frightened by that in the slightest. But he's afraid of he who is in you. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Learn to take your thoughts captive. What I mean by this is that when these thoughts come into your mind and heart, reel them in and take control of them. Take them captive. Take control of your mind when it delves into fantasies, desires, and daydreams. Sometimes our daydreams are not even, and our fantasies are not about, like, unsavory things or inappropriate things. Sometimes our daydreams are about wealth, about the future, about what I'd like to be. And we dream about things that we'll never put our hand to work on, but we just keep dreaming of something that's down the road, something that will happen, and it's never going to happen. And we waste so much time daydreaming. Take captive your anxieties, your worries, and your fears. These can overwhelm you if you let them. 
take captive of negativity. Take captive of the mindset that nothing is good, everything is a complaint or a comparison. I'll say that again. When you're negative, everything is a complaint or a comparison. It's a complaint about how your life is not great, and it's a comparison to the people that you think who got their life all figured out. You look on Facebook, you look on Instagram, you look on social media, everybody posts their successes. They don't typically post their failures. So you're thinking about, well, I don't have that car. I don't have that house. I don't have that life. You don't know what went into getting that. You don't know what their life is like behind closed doors. So sometimes we're focused on the negative. We'll never see God's blessing if we focus on the negative. Take captive your hesitancy. When you have skeptical thoughts about whether or not you trust God or you believe him for good things. There's going to be times where skepticism and doubt kind of tries to creep into your mind. You can either entertain that and completely get spiritual amnesia when it comes to everything that God's done in your life up until this point. You can either disregard the blessing upon blessing that he's imparted to you over the course of your life. You might even be sitting here today because God saved your life in some way. And yet we have the audacity at times to doubt whether he still exists, whether we still have faith, and whether his intentions and his thoughts for us are good. Don't get spiritual amnesia when it comes to God's goodness. If he was good then, he's good now. He hasn't changed, we have. We grew older. We grew wiser. We grew smarter. I've been through experiences. I've been jaded through things. So now I have a point in my life where maybe I'm second-guessing the faith that I grew up with so readily. May God help us to not have spiritual amnesia and forget the goodness of God. Instead of letting it overtake you, overwhelm you, overcome you, put them in their proper place. Sometimes those thoughts need to be cast out just like an evil spirit. Ever thought, ever have a thought that came to mind that was so repulsive, that was so disgusting, that you have no idea where that came from? You know it's not from something that you watched, and you know it wasn't something you read, and it just came to mind, and you're like, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the devil himself. It came from the very pit of hell itself. And you can either sit there and think about that and fight with it. You go, you don't belong here. It's like walking into your house and seeing a complete stranger sitting on your couch, filthy in rags, you know, eating your food, you know, spooning out your Haagen-Dazs, you know, watching your television, making themselves a home. And you go, you don't belong here. Get out now. I'll show you the door. I'll escort you there myself. The problem is we're too comfortable entertaining. We're too polite when it comes to the spiritual realm. We have to recognize these things and say, you don't belong here. I don't need to entertain you. Get out now. Take it captive. Notice Paul says, take every thought captive, cast down imaginations, arguments, and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. If it tries to make itself higher than your Savior, put it down in its place. 
Every one of these things tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. God has given you revelation. He's given you his salvation. He's given you uh, a, a demonstration of who he is and himself in his power, in his glory, in his goodness, in his majesty. These thoughts and imaginations try and go, I'm above that. No, you're not. Slap it down to its place. It doesn't belong there. So take it captive. It means to make it your prisoner. The idea of taking someone captive means that you chain it up. When someone is made a prisoner, what's the first thing that's done? What do they do? They chain their hands and they chain their feet. Why is that? Sometimes they'll chain them back here. You know, have you ever had handcuffs put on you? Don't answer. <laughs> they're not comfortable, okay? Especially if they're behind you, okay? Meanwhile, you're going like, how is Pastor Noah handcuffs feel like? <laughs> we had a youth service one time in which I had one of the uh, members of our church who was a state police uh, officer. I had him do a, a, an illustration for a message where he came in and arrested me. And he put, the, he put the cuffs on me, and I'm like, God, these hurt. It's like, these are tight. Could you have, like, loosened them a little bit? They're just uncomfortable. Well, they do. They take away your ability to be strong. You can't fight this way, right? Put your hands behind your back. You can't even, if, you, if someone just wants to tip you right over, you're tipping over. You're on the floor. You're, you can't even get yourself up when your hands are behind your back. When you bind the wrists, you take away the strength. When you bind the feet, what does that mean? They can't run away. So when you choose to take your thoughts captive, you're saying, I'm taking away your power to overwhelm me, and I'm taking away your ability to run wild through my head. Amen? I'm going to bind your hands and feet. So you don't have any power over me, and you don't have the ability to just run wild in my head and just let my mind run crazy with the thoughts that are going through in my life. You want to bind the strong man? Bind your thoughts, and bind them according to the truth of God's word. Let the chain of God's word be the anchor for your soul, and the chain to bind every oppressive spirit that would come against you. When you do this, you render the devil powerless to overtake you and uh, hinder his ability to let your imagination and run wild. And sometimes we just got to stop it right then and there. How do you overcome it? Test it with truth. Test everything you think, hear, and, 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 and see with truth. Is this something God would say? Does it line up with his words? Are these thoughts and feelings based on reality or just how I'm feeling right now? This is so important, by the way. So if you're sick at home in bed, and you start dwelling on things, you start wrestling with things, you should know that you are not at your 100%, and the thoughts that you have in that moment is a weakened state, and they can't be trusted. Sometimes it's a delirium brought on by a flu or other things. You are struggling with those things. If you're overtired, you've just been working a 60-hour week, you're going on three hours of sleep, you're getting up in the morning, you don't feel right, and you're beginning to question, you're, maybe you're even a little emotional, too. That's not the time to be wrestling with things. Do you understand what I'm saying? The devil comes in when you're at your weakest. 
comes in when you're your most vulnerable and he tries to get at you. You can either kind of go, oh yes, I need to fret about those things, I need to worry about them, or I can fight against those things, understanding the state that you're in at that moment. You could be overtired, stressed, receive some bad news. These things factor into your thoughts and decisions. Test your thoughts against God's truth. Are your thoughts about, uh, are your thoughts what he is saying? If not, it's not from him. Uh, learn to discern what God's voice is and what it isn't. I'll give you an example. When you know the voice of a family member or friend, you know what they sound like. You can tell when someone's pretending to be someone you know because you can tell by their tone and what they say. It's kind of like when you get those calls supposedly from the IRS from someone with a little bit of a broken accent, and they say, uh, you need to uh, do something because uh, if you don't pay your taxes, you know, uh, we're going to come get you. You get the robocall. I remember getting a robocall at a minister's retreat one time. You get a robocall saying that, you know, uh, you haven't paid your taxes. The IRS is going to collect on you. Press one for details. You know what I did? I pressed one. And I got somebody on the phone, and it, because it said, the voice message was like, you know, uh, there's something illegal and wrongly done with your taxes, and please speak to a representative to resolve it. I press one. I get the person on the phone. I said, I said what you're doing is illegal and against the law, and I'm going to report you. And they hung up. <laughs> Why? Because you should know that the IRS never calls you. They send terrifying letters instead. They really do. If you're not, it's like, I don't need a phone call. There's just a letter that says Internal Revenue Service, and immediately you get freaked out. You're like, oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know you got your stimulus money in the mail. Couldn't you have done that another way without sending me something official that says IRS on it? I know I got it. It was in my bank account, okay? I don't need you to send me a letter saying, hey, we got it for you. Like, that was five months ago. Don't scare me again, Okay recognize and know the voice of the person that you trust. It's like if I called up Gene and I pretended to be his wife, I think he would figure out that I'm not his wife because I don't sound like his wife, okay? It's like, oh, honey, do you want me to pick up some milk and some eggs from, you know, the store on the way home? And he'd go like, who is this? It's like, oh, this is, this is Jackie. No, it's not Jackie because I know what Jackie sounds like. I know what she's... So, like, we have to understand the same way. As ridiculous as that illustration just was, why do we entertain voices that are not of God? Why do we entertain things that don't sound like Him? Things that don't sound like what even our friends would say to us. We think things about ourselves that we think that we're nothing, that we're worthless, that no one likes us, that no one's our friend, that we're all alone in this life, that if we just picked up the phone and said that to a friend of yours, you're like, where did you get that idea? Ask yourself, does that sound like God? It doesn't sound like something he would say. If it doesn't sound like something he would say, if it's not his tone, if it's not his voice, then you got to go, that's not God. That's my insecurity. That's not God. That's the enemy. And just disregard it as though it's untrue. Think about that. When a thought threatens to take you out, decide I'm getting up and not staying down. Decide you're getting up and not staying down. See, here's the problem. 
and I was talking with Brandon about this too, when we have the thought and the emotion that goes with the thought and the feelings that go along with that, we think that's the end of the battle. It's just the beginning. But that thought has wrecked us so badly that we've already given up. That thought comes to you in your bed and you don't want to get out of bed for the rest of the day. That thought comes into your head and you don't even want to go into the church in the morning. That thought comes into your head and, and you don't even want to go to work. You've already given up. Listen, that's not the final blow in the battle. That's the first warning shot that was fired. We treat it like the battle's over. That battle is just beginning. So you decide whether or not you want to give up and wave the white flag immediately or you want to get up and say, you know, listen, you, you just fired a warning shot, but I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm going to get up and fight against this thought. You're a human being with an intellect. Every, everything begins with your mind. Without your mind, you cannot think, dream, desire, or do. It's with the mind that you comprehend and figure things out. It's with your mind that you receive revelation. It's with your mind that you receive revelation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's not enough to just hear it. If I'm speaking to you in English and you don't speak English, you are hearing me but not comprehending me. You're hearing me but not understanding me. It's not enough to just hear it. You have to understand it and receive it. That's where faith begins with your understanding. As my dear friend Jan, Pastor Jan used to say, what we perceive affects what we believe. What we believe affects what we receive. What we receive affects what we achieve. But you will never get to the point of receiving if your perceiving is not correct. If your perception is, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to be over this addiction. My family's never going to be in a good shape. My kids are never going to get married. I'm never going to have grandkids. I'm never going to retire. I'm never going to get out of this depression. If you perceive that to be true, that will be your reality. Because that's where you'll dwell. That's where you'll stay. That's where the Word of God challenges us beyond our circumstance and our situations. It challenges our thoughts with the truth of His Word. So principle one is to take a captive. Principle two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you still with me today? Thank you. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And I know you've heard me speak about the way we think before, but I feel like we need to revisit it. And some of this might seem familiar from previous messages I've preached on it. But sometimes you need a reminder so we don't go down the same road that we used to go. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect will. So verse, uh, verse 2 says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. This means you don't submit or succumb to the way the world thinks, acts, and loves, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, it took a long time for you to think the way that you do. Sometimes you talk to people and you're like, why do you think that way? It took a long time to get them to think the way they think right now. Your thinking was shaped by your upbringing. It was shaped by your experiences, both good and bad. Listen, you can be a Christian your entire life and never see progress, never see victory. Why? Because you're stuck with your old way of thinking. It's hard to think of things differently than the way that you've always thought of them. Listen, you can't go to counseling with someone who is trained to help you in thinking differently than leave that session and do things your own way because in your thinking, you say, well, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me, and I think I know better. The whole problem with you even going in the first place is that your thinking's a little broken. So you can't trust your thinking. You have to allow God and allow people, allow those to help you to change the way you think to a more healthy way. Sometimes we're trying to change our thinking ourselves. But the scriptures didn't tell us to do that. It didn't say you change your thinking. Did you notice that? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is why people fail. Because they're trying to change their thinking with the thinking that they were raised with. It's not about that. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way that you think. Only God can renew your mind through the process of regeneration. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us a distaste for all things sinful and gives us a hunger for the things of God. It's the Holy Spirit that endeavors us to make us more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, our counselor, and our helper. God's not saying, come to me, fix yourself, and then be my servant, be my follower. Aren't you, th- aren't you thankful and glad for that? Aren't you glad that God didn't say, well, when you're perfect, when you've got it all figured out, then come to me, and then you can follow me. No, he says, follow me, and I will show you the way. Let the Holy Spirit work in you to change the things so that when you hear and you think of things that are not godly, the Holy Spirit steps in and goes, you don't need to do that. Or at least the hesitancy, you know? At least before, you may not even struggle with it at all. Like you had the thought and the temptation, and you're like, yeah, that sounds good, and just did it. But when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, there's a bit of a pause. You might even find yourself unexplainably grieved that that thought even came to your mind. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit working within you, transforming your mind, undoing the years and years of the thought process that you used to have. But if you're going into it still trying to change the way you think with a broken way of thinking, you'll never experience freedom. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to change your mind and your heart. It says, once you do this, instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he says, then you'll be able to discern what God's will is. 
Set your mind on the Lord, and he will give you the new strategy to approach life with. That you might be able to test and prove what his will is. Allow God to transform the way you think, and he'll show you the way to go. He will show you his will and what to do. He will give you his perspective. He will give you his strategy. Once you take your thoughts captive, instead of letting them hold you back, you will see God's plan more clearly. So the first principle is take your thoughts captive. The second principle is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you can't change the way you think. You've got to let God do that. You've got to let God bring his truth into your mind and heart. You've got to give yourself over and submit to the word of God, submit to his spirit, and let him change that. Your, the temptation might be to let your mind go here, but training yourself to look to God's word and his ways. Third principle Colossians 3, 2 through 5. It says, set your mind on things above, not things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death the members which are of the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. The third principle is set your mind on things above. Sometimes we're so focused on the worries of this world that we forget that we're citizens of heaven. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in our frustrations and our hesitations that we can't even see God's hand or, or see what he wants to do in the middle of it. We've been raised with Christ. Colossians talks about, listen, you've been taken from uh, the earth and been seated with him in heavenly realms. You're not thinking about things from a worldly perspective anymore. You're now with him in heavenly realms. and You have a heavenly perspective that you didn't have before. You've been brought from death to life. Stop looking down on how bad your life is. Look up to what awaits you with the Lord. When you look down, you can't see what's before you. I'll give you an example. You ever been in a traffic light and the light turns green and the car in front of you doesn't move? Why? Because they're looking down at their phone, right? Maybe it's you, okay? <laughs> but what's the point is that that person can't look forward if they're looking down. They can't see to progress forward while they're looking down. The same holds true in your life. If you're always looking down, you will never be able to see to move forward. If you keep looking at your circumstances, you won't be able to see the way forward. Stop looking down. Stop looking into an empty grave. Start looking up to the resurrection. Stop looking down about what your life isn't and trust God for what he says it will be. Stop looking at the things that you're going through and saying, I'll never get out of it. Instead, look at it and say, God, I know that you can bring me through this. God, you've brought me through it before. You'll bring me through again. God, I don't see the way out of it. I don't see how this is going to turn out good. It might be a health situation. It might be a financial situation. It might be a family situation. And you might say to yourself, I don't see how it's going to all work out towards my good. But you have to have his perspective. You have to trust his eyes and his leading. Let him see the things that you can't see. That you, the things that he sees on the other side of your struggle, 
on the other side of your battle, on the other side of your difficulty. Trust Him to see you through. When you can't see, trust His eyes and trust His heart. Stop expecting the worst and believe for the best. Let God be the lifter of your head. Sometimes you need that. Everything's looking down. And the Lord just comes and lifts your head up and says, I'm up here. I'm up here. And you know what? You're up here too. You're seated with me. Why are you seated down here? Why are you seated in the cheap seats? Come up with me to a higher place. Why are you seated down here in the garbage bin and the dump of the world that you're living in? Why are you here when I see you seated somewhere else? Let him lift your head so you can look at him and not the things around you. Set your thoughts on things above, not on things of this world. Your final thought this morning. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. Luke 4, 17 through 19. It says, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Underline that. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Underline that. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said, I've come to bring liberty to the captives and to set free those who are oppressed. That includes those who are imprisoned by their own thoughts. Jesus came to set people free. It's what he's anointed by the Holy Spirit to do. When he read that, he sat down and says, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. It's like, I've come and I'm here I'm anointed. In other words, God has anointed me and set me apart for this very purpose, to set the captive free and to speak liberty to those who are oppressed. Sometimes we are kept captive by our negative thoughts, by our unfaithful thoughts, by thoughts that are not of God. Sometimes we are oppressed by them. We can't seem to escape these thoughts in our mind. We hear them in our ears. I want you to know today that Christ has been anointed to set you free from that. You don't have to dwell there or live there anymore. To be set free, though, you have to recognize what you're prisoner to. You have to even recognize that you are a prisoner. Sometimes you can spend your whole life a prisoner with the gate unlocked and the key in it, but you just don't have the sense to open the door. Christ has set you free from those things. He unlocked the door. He set your shackles loose. Like consider when Peter was in prison and the angel came and set him free. It says that the guards were sleeping. Angel passed by, opened the door. Peter's chains fell off. And he's sleeping. And the angel kicked him. He says, get up. 
what are you doing? It's time to go. Can I kick you this morning? Can I get, let you know that it's time to go? It's time to leave your prison cell? It's time to leave behind what's been binding you, what's been frustrating you, what's been oppressing you, and to recognize that he's come to set the captive free. What's keeping you captive? I want you to think about that this morning. What prevents you from moving forward? What makes you want to give up? Maybe it's fear. God, I'm afraid what's going to happen to me. I'm afraid what's going to happen to my family. I'm afraid what's going to happen to my kids off at college, and we're afraid, afraid, afraid. We can even be afraid of the future. Jesus, when you come, when you come back, what's going to happen in the world we're in? I don't like the government we have. What's going to happen with the world that we're in right now? And that's fear. And it can captivate your thoughts, and it can keep you captive so that you don't operate in faith and belief for the kingdom to come and for his will to be done. Instead, you're worried about what's going to happen. What makes you want to give up and keep from moving forward? Maybe it's negativity. Maybe it's like nothing good ever happens to me. Everything that I have is bad. That attitude will keep you bound. Even if things are bad right now, you serve a God who is good and has good plans for you. Trust him in that. What's keeping you captive? Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're so angry and you don't even know why, but you can't seem to get victory. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you're just bound by the next paycheck or the next dollar or the next grasping at the next thing that the world has to offer. Maybe it's lust. Maybe you've tried to get victory over things in your life and you keep falling to them over and over again and you can't get free. Maybe you just need to be set free from the worry that you need to be the one that fixes everything. Can I tell you today that God doesn't expect you to fix everything? And that could be a very freeing thought. Instead, look to Him and trust Him to help you figure things out and give you the direction you need. We all need freedom. We all need Jesus. But if we don't realize what's keeping us bound, then we'll never be we don't see Jesus as the one who can set us free and keep us free, then we'll continue to struggle, we'll continue to be frustrated, we'll continue to want to give up. This morning, I just want to take a moment with you, and I want to challenge you today. I want you to think about what's keeping you captive. What thoughts are in your mind and your heart that you're really struggling with? And this morning, what I want to do is the, the front of this church is going to be open for you. For me to pray with you and to contend with you. And if, more than anything else, if I could just inject encouragement, hope, and faith in you. Just to be able to say, you know what, I think I can make it and I think I will do it. And no matter how bad things are, I believe that God's going to see me through. If we don't do anything else but that, that would be awesome to stand with you and believe. To have other people come around you and to put a hand on your shoulder and believe with you. 
Things might be dark. Things might be bleak right now. But what if we stood together and broke off the chains that keep your thinking held back and that you start to see the victory in your life? What if you had people around you that were believing with you that God can? In a moment, we're going to do that. I'm going to pray, and these altars will be open. And you say, you know what? I'm struggling with something, and I just want prayer for it. And I'm going to take time to pray with each and every one of you. So let's do that today. So, Lord, we just pray. We thank you that, Lord, you are the one that sets the captive free. Lord, so many of us have been trying to change the way that we think with no success. So many have struggled with spiritual warfare and the enemy trying to undo their faith and bring them down. Today, Lord, I pray, help us to come to a a revelation and a realization that, Lord, you are the one that sets us free. You're the one that transforms our mind. You're the one that changes our heart and help us to be willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to let you do that today. So move us to action. Set people free today. Break off chains in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just lead and guide and direct. Move us closer to you and further away from the things that are not of you. We ask this today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.